0: Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy. Discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. All right.
1: Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Randy, how's it going?
2: Hey, I'm doing great. It is a absolutely stunning day here in Seattle right now. It's a, We had a bunch of rain, so it really cleared out the sky. So the Olympic Mountains are just stellar, just beautiful. Uh, besides that, I had a question for you I wanted to ask you. So do you have a favorite Frisbee word?
1: Favorite Frisbee word? I've never thought about that. Uh, well, I guess I'm going to go with Hane because... It's sort of been the theme of all of the work that I've done in promoting Frisbee, Haynesville, and doing heinous moves in the Super Hayne tournament.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. definitely makes sense for you. It's funny because I was thinking the other side of that word, which is sponch, is kind of funny. I don't like to sponch, but I think just the the word itself is funny, sponch, just the way it sounds. Well, I came across a word that I thought was really uh, good, which is why I'm asking you this. It's a word I'd never heard before. It's pronounced petrichor, and it's P-E-T-R-I-C-H-O-R, and it's the pleasant earthly smell after rain.
1: Oh, petrichor. Yeah. Petrichor. I like that.
2: Yeah, I did, too. I was like, oh, I like that smell right after a rain. So,
1: yeah. There it's you very go. fresh and... and uh, it sort of livens the spirit. Indeed, indeed.
2: All right, well, enough enough of us chatting about words. Let's get to today's episode. It's another episode with uh, Joey Hudaklin, and I think you all will really enjoy it. He starts off this uh, episode explaining the moment he realized that California was going to be a destination. So what year, and and what was the impetus to move to Venice with Venice Beach, California, with with
0: Richie. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess uh, you know, Richie and I were breaking discs left and right through the cold, and uh, in '77 over that winter, and we ended up breaking into a pier on over the Hudson River, uh, blockaded off. We had broke into a pier repeatedly. Uh, day, day after day after day, and they kept locking it behind us after we were done because they discovered that we had got someone had gotten in and we found another way to get in and we kept getting in and it was this huge pier <clears throat> that was uh, enclosed so it was a good ten fifteen degrees warmer in there with no wind. it felt bearable and so we would play in there and we would actually put nylon tape over the center of the disc. We were playing with 141s at this point. So they were flat tops so we could put this tape. We, we were using Masters a lot but they they cracked very easily. The Super Pros cracked very easily. We liked the big disc though because they spun longer we could delay it longer. Of course the CPI was a big part of our development. They never cracked but they stopped. They were small. They stopped making them. But the, the uh, 141 we could put this nylon tape over the center and then use a razor blade to make cut off the edges to make a perfect circle around the IFA logo. So we had, that would protect it from breaking. And it also added a good bit of weight to the disc, which was kind of challenging in a different way because harder to tip. But it did spin longer because of the weight, the extra weight. So we were using that in this big warehouse. So one day, this is kind of where this is like the breaking point for me. uh, They blocked off every entrance to the warehouse. We were like, oops, we can't get in. So it was so cold that the entire Hudson River had frozen over. And Richie and I and Kurt Hollander, another friend of ours, and I think Jeff was there. We were like looking over the edge of the edge of the, the of the, the over the river looking at the warehouse and going how can we get from here to there where there's a rope off the edge of a boat that we can climb up and get in the pier on the side and I'm like well I'll go down there and walk on the ice and go over there and climb the rope and I can't climb a rope no way I don't have the, I don't, I don't have the arm strength but I'm like I'll do it so This is the insanity. So I dropped down onto the ice, and I fell right through, (laughs) to my waist. And I'm in the water up to my waist, and I'm like looking up, and I can't get back up (laughs) because I had dropped it down, and there was nothing to grab onto. And they're looking at you know, I look up, and there's Kurt Hollander, Richie, and Jeff, like looking down at me, and their eyes are all big. And I'm like, as always, you know, in a crisis, I'm like, I'll be fine, you know. So I somehow pulled myself up and I did walk across and I climbed the freaking rope and got in uh, the warehouse (laughs) and I said, okay, you guys meet me. I think I can get out. I think I know a way to get out. You know, this is all, I don't know how, this is like that mysterious uh, cosmic, you know, light shining down on us somehow i got in and there were people out there i could hear them going you know yeah these guys keep breaking into the damn warehouse you know we got to stop them and they're going to kill themselves and it was dangerous once you got in there you could fall and we were walking along these ledges with nails bro- you know and, and like it was nuts but uh i found my way over to a space where i could get out and they were there waiting for me and we went over to uh Kurt's house, which was nearby, and and I took a, a shower and got some uh, dry clothes. And, and And at that point, I was like, "That's it, I'm uh, I'm out of here." <laughs> so we started making plans to go to California. So my first, uh, our first adventure to California was on a fifty five dollar Greyhound bus to uh, Santa Barbara Open in uh, April seventy seven. We uh, got off the bus in downtown Santa Barbara and played in that tournament and great stuff going on. Stork and Irv Kalm and Cynthia Birch and Teresa Gaiman and uh, John Kirkland and Jeff Jorgensen were partners at the time. And Tom yeah. Shepard and, and uh, uh, TK, Tom Kennedy, were partners. So I,
2: I just have to give a quick shout out. Jeff Jorgensen, homeboy from Seattle. All right. Carry on.
0: Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So that was the that was like the finals that that group that I mentioned I think was the finals in, in that uh, tournament. Um, Richie and I made made it, and you know we we had our different style. And I got to give a little shout out to Z because he was one of the more um, I had heard of him. Uh, John Wyan, Dreamer, you know he was playing with a cast, and you know to this day, you know you can see Z like cuffing the disc and using old school techniques. He was using the cast to cuff the incoming throw. So that he could airbrush it. So he was like letting it skip off his cast, and I'm like, you know, this guy's playing in a cast, <laughs> and he and he was doing great, you know. And um, anyway, that was our my, our first uh, venture to California. We hung out for a while and ended up winning the Irvine tournament, which qualified us for the Rose Bowl. And we went. We did that a couple months, about a month later, and uh, we, we hung out that long. And that was a qualifying tournament for the Rose Bowl. We won it. We got there later that year, and that was uh, you know a blast. chartered flight from New York to uh, California with a stop off in Chicago and booming in the restroom, you know, that kind of thing. It was great crazy.
2: <laughs> so did you did you move to Venice Beach at that point, or did you stay in Santa Barbara?:
0: No,, we went down to LA and uh, Joe Cahal let us stay in her place for a night she and I were kind of experienced campers. And so we had a lot of our equipment with us and we were going to go camping and we did. And we found out it was way too cold to hang out for what we were prepared for. We thought it was like California, you know, so hey, it's going to be warm. But once you get up back into the mountains, it was like cold. And, uh, and it was April. So we like got our asses out of there and, called up Freddie who was living in Venice because he was our New York homeboy. And he was living with uh, Jim Emerson, Gus, better known as Gusman. So a lot of those guys down there, they were sharing an apartment in Venice. And we said, you know, Freddie, help, uh, we're going to die. You know, we, we got it we're, <laughs> And he's like, okay, you, you guys come here. We stayed there for maybe two and a half weeks. And we started playing down at the Venice Dream, which was a hotbed. Uh, you know, uh, Sam shots, Don Rothk- Hoskins, Freddie, Gus, uh, Brian Roberts, for those who don't know, I know Daniel O'Neill knows the kick footmaster of all time. I mean, this guy, if there were videos of him controlling the disc with his feet, it would be mind blowing for any level of player out there.
2: Matt Roberts, his brother too, was was he in there at that time?
0: Well, he wasn't around. He didn't live in the neighborhood, so I didn't see him too often. But, yeah, he was a completely different skill set than Brian. But, yeah, they were partners. So those were the guys living around there. Uh, And uh, shortly after that, I think uh, Angel Sanchez and Roosevelt, Bacchus came out, and Rob and Roger, maybe a little bit later, Rob Freed and Roger Meyer. And uh, we infiltrated the scene. and brought up that New York game a little bit. And Laura, of course, Laura was the star of the show. My God, couldn't yeah. she was uh, in, in unstoppable.
2: Laura Engel, you mean, yeah. Laura Engel. So you're in Venice Beach. And um, what year is that, Joey? Is this 78,
0: 79? This is 77, uh, okay. springtime. And right. we moved on to... Uh, Uh, from the Irvine tournament, we got a ride with Jim Kenner and Gail McCall in their VW van where they were selling their Frisbee collection for gas money to uh, travel. And they rode us to Austin, Texas, for for the next event uh, on the tour. And we Richie and I ended up winning that one too. And so we won two tournaments in a row, and we were basically on our, on our way in that regard. So we um, we ended up trying to hitchhike back to New York and failed miserably and ended up having to call home for money and get on a bus and get back home to New York. You know, and then it just carried on. And by that time, uh, Jeff and, and and Johnny Dwork were, were, had been playing really hard and So they were developing that, and by the end of that year, they were serious competitors, and uh, everything started growing exponentially, really, at that point. You know, it started really, really expanding. And, you know, when I say that we got to take the the game backwards a little bit more to the fundamentals, I mean, i got to take the blame for expanding it like that in the first place. I mean, you know, I I have to take... be honest about it, we, um, you know, we created a monster, but, but that's, but it really started exploding then all the experimentation, high tech stuff started getting, becoming more prominent. So,
1: so I understand. So in 77, you made a trip to California and spent a bunch of time touring around, but you didn't actually move there yet. Is that, is that accurate?
0: Uh, no, not officially, but um, the following winter uh, after the, the Rose Bowl in 77, I believe I had gone back to New York and then later that winter I had uh, I was blessed with um a little bit of uh money from um a relative who had passed away, my aunt, and and I bought a van and drove to uh California and stayed for that next winter. Um I was able to spend probably from, I don't know, October through this next spring uh, early 78 in, in Venice. So that was kind of my move. And then it was more tournaments in the spring and through the summer and then back to California after the season was over again.
1: So 78 is when California really became your home, your home base. I guess you could say that. Yeah. Yeah. So I've heard New Yorkers say we don't need no stinking conditions. I'm curious of your perspective (laughs) now, having jammed in New York and California at that point, did you think the conditions made a difference?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I left New York to get out of the winter. You know, I left there again two and a half years ago to get out of the winter, uh, among other things. But yeah, it made a difference. I mean, so I guess this is where the blending of the styles became, uh, started taking hold. Excuse me, for me, uh, learning to use the wind to airbrush with, as opposed to just adding spin and getting it back on a delay which is a lot of what we did in New York. Uh, in California, we started to see... Um, I remember Brian Roberts was one of the first people I saw. And he called it steering the disc because he, he would add some spin and then he would get under with that cuff. But more than a cuff, he would let it sit on the outside of his hand and he called it steering it. He changed the angle from the from hyzer to... I guess, a mung angle to, you know, fade to the left of the wind so he could brush it again, which is, we we all use that commonly today. And so that, and then playing on the beach opened that up even a little more. You know, I guess I started blending with the my style with that with that style, and I was really pleased to be able to use the airbrush in a different way, uh, with the, you know, in one direction like that, which really became... Uh, a different approach altogether. So that was the, I guess, the impetus for the bringing the the East Coast game together with the, some of the new stuff. And the Mac was was uh, was a real eye opener, I think, for me at that time because Stork was a, the master of the Mac and the skip off the. He, he did it in a way that few have since. Yeah, um, he's definitely got that still. Yeah.
2: So Joey, so let me back up. So I'm just trying to understand the chronic, chronological aspects of this so did you and Richie play in the Rose Bowl in 77 is that correct yes and then 78 he didn't make it to the Rose Bowl is that correct or was uh, that 79
0: no no actually 78 uh, I didn't make it Richie did
2: ah well that's it so you didn't make it in 78 he didn't make it in right. 79 that's okay right. so 77 you guys won 78 you didn't make it to the no, no no no
0: actually the the v brothers won in 77 ah right Richie right. and i got third and uh 78 evan and cory won and right. uh, i didn't make it richie decided not to play uh which is you know, kind of a humbling thing for me because he didn't want to play without his partner so um yeah you know and uh When I made it, when I made it in 79, in which he didn't, of course, you know, I, I played, but, uh, when you played in 79,
2: 1979, you played with Jeff Fellerbaum and of course, Donnie Rhodes, and that changed his life and his trajectory. So you made a huge impact on, uh, on Donnie for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, Donnie was, uh, showed up at the uh, Venice green in, um, 78. I remember when I came out there in the late uh, fall in 78 in my van, Donnie was there and he was working on moves like the upside down behind the back inverted pullout. And I'm like, really? Like, who are you? And you're trying that? Like, no, like go backwards (laughs) a little bit. But he was, you know, Donnie was, had this, Vision of the game already, and he was trying the hardest moves that he could possibly try. He was a, a real unique character. He could put it, he could learn it piecemeal and fit it to, all together. He didn't need to start here and go to there. He could grab a piece here, grab a piece there, and fit it all together. That included the speed flow or whatever. So he was doing that, and and I was like, whoa, this guy's like really, really trying some out there stuff. We uh, started jamming and he was so driven. You know, he started, he was just getting better and better and better by the week. And we ended up playing at this tournament in Vancouver and we won. And by the middle of the summer, I realized that Richie wasn't going to make it to the Rose Bowl. And I, I said, well, Donnie, I, I thought to myself, you know, I could, I can could win with Donnie. So I asked, and Donnie had made it because we, I think, the Vancouver tournament we won qualified us, I, I believe. So I asked Donnie to be my partner, and Jeff and Don Jeff and uh, Johnny Dork were going to be on main competition unless something unusual happened, and and it did. John, Johnny got hurt, so Jeff asked to play with us, and, and we of course said yes, and that made it. And we, and at that point, we knew we were going to win. So there was no, there was no confusion. There was no uncertainty about that. We knew we were going to win. We just had to put together a decent routine and uh, execute it halfway, and that's what happened. We executed wow. it just a little a little bit better than halfway. <laughs> and,
2: so do you think? Do you think that Donnie's drive pushed your game at all?
0: Oh man, are you kidding? Um, yeah, Donnie. Well, Donnie, you know, surpassed me. Uh, by, uh, a, a, like a freight train, man, he, like, but like an express train, he, he went right past me. He could do more with one spin than I could do with two spins, uh, and with better form. You know, I, I was like, well, okay, I'm going to do what he's doing. So I took some ballet classes, some jazz dance classes, some, uh, modern dance classes, and started getting stretched out and pointing my toes, extending my arms, and, uh, incorporating and stealing some of his moves so i had to keep pace with with donnie and that was a hard thing yeah that was good that was great having him you know we were going to play together but we were too each our egos were probably too big for each other so but i love donnie and always will and, and so grateful that he you know pushed me absolutely
2: yeah, it sounds like it was a a mutual uh, drive for both of you. Like you were both pushing each other, and you guys just went went out there, went to a stratosphere that was uh, maybe not seen again.
0: Yeah, yeah. In the beginning, it it was kind of for me. It was like, hey, look what I found. <laughs> you know, I got this. I got this kid here, check him out. You know, and I can do my thing, and, and I just you know he can rely on me, and and I knew what he was that he was. He really shines in front of people, so and that's not my forte, really. My forte is just doing moves, and you know, I had to learn to be. To ha- I learned. I had to learn how to have some charisma. Uh, it, 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 uh, Donnie has it more, much more naturally, than as as a chipper bro, my my dear friend, I felt like I was showcasing Donnie in a way, you know, when we first started playing together.
2: Well, that was really interesting to hear how Joey and Donnie pushed each other, and it totally makes sense. They both had the drive, and they both had the passion, they both had the vision. And so with that, did you have anybody that pushed you in your early days? It sort of seems like there might be an obvious choice, but maybe not.
1: Uh, The obvious choice is the right choice. It would be my brother, Matt, of course. What I remember about being a new player is that I would go to the jams several times a week and practice and practice on my own. And he wouldn't come to the jams, except for maybe once a month. And every time he came... He was at least as good, if not better than me. Every time he had these new skills, I had no idea where he was getting them from because he wasn't going to the jams. It just drove me crazy, which, of course, drove me to practice more on my own. And so I kept working to get better and try to stay ahead of him. What I learned later in life is that he practiced a lot by himself, too. But I didn't know it. I only saw him at the jam. I was like, damn it, you're getting better. You're not even working on it.
2: (laughs) You thought that he was just playing while you were seeing him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: Oh, that's funny. (laughs) I mean, I gave it some thought and I, in my early days, I was definitely pushed by my brothers as well, because they were Frisbee players and they dabbled in freestyle a little bit, but they were more field event guys. And so we really pushed each other in the field events like disc golf and distance and MTA. And so that's where I really felt that pushing come from. In freestyle, it was really more of a self-driven thing for me for freestyle. I wish one of my brothers would have gotten more into freestyle and maybe that would have pushed me even more but it was an individual push for me
1: so but you had you had a your beginning of freestyle and then you took a hiatus and then you got back into it did you have anybody when you got back into it who was pushing you that's
2: interesting i I mean i guess i would say dougie fresh because he was the person that got me fired up again about freestyle and i don't know if it was so much more pushing but it was more of stoking the fire again and the passion for playing and jamming again
1: that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's yeah. the connection, right? It's a lot about a lot of what freestyle is about, is that connection with other people. I remember having a jam with you uh, at Wisconsin at one of Rodney's tournaments in like 2002, maybe. I don't think we'd ever really jammed before together, and something just clicked, and I just had, that was one of my favorite jams of all time. Passing back and forth, and just, you know how it is when we play together. It's right, just so right, much right. fun, right? And that's that was the first moment that that clicked, and I walked away with this glow. I was like, okay, I like playing with Randy. (laughs) That's awesome.
2: And the rest is history.
1: And now here we are.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, uh, as usual, um, we're very thankful for all the listeners out there. We're getting lots of great feedback. And, uh, of course, anything you want to do to support our efforts by donating or buy a shirt or like the Facebook page or any of that stuff is greatly appreciated. So uh, with that, I will talk to you next week, Jake talk to you next
0: week. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com home to Haynesville shooting the frisbees and live streaming freestyle frisbee. Oh yeah!